0: Our New Testament reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 22 through 40. Um, I'm going to be reading from uh, Eugene Peterson's version of the Bible, the message. Uh, You folks at home that are watching on a live stream, you'll probably have the NRSV uh, on the screen, but I'll be reading from the message. Then when the days stipulated by Moses for purification were complete, they took him up to Jerusalem to offer him to God as commanded in God's law. Every male who opens the womb shall be a holy offering to God, and also to sacrifice a pair of doves or two young pigeons prescribed in God's law. In Jerusalem at that time, there was a man, Simeon, by name, a good man, a man who lived in the prayerful expectancy of help for Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. The Holy Spirit had shown him that he would see the Messiah of God before he died. Led by the Spirit, he entered the temple. As the parents of the child Jesus brought him in to carry out the rituals of the law, Simeon took him into his arms and blessed God. God, you can now release your servant. Release me in peace as you promised With my own eyes, I have seen your salvation. It's not out in the open for everyone to see a God revealing light to the non Jewish nation and of glory for your people, Israel. Jesus' father and mother were speechless with surprise at these words. Simeon went on to bless them and said to Mary, his mother, This child marks both the failure and the recovery of many in Israel a figure misunderstood and contradicted, the pain of a sword thrust through you, but the rejection will force honesty as God reveals who they really are. Anna the prophetess was also there, a daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher. She was by now very old. She had been married seven times and a widow for 84. She never left the temple area, worshiping night and day with her fasting and praying. At the very time Simeon was praying, she showed up and broke into an anthem of praise to God and talked about the child to all who were waiting expectantly for the freeing of Jerusalem. When they finished everything required by the law, they returned to Galilee in their own town of Nazareth. And there the child grew strong in body and wise in spirit, and the grace of God was on him. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, as you led Simeon to embrace the infant Jesus, guide us, Holy Spirit, by your gracious light, that we may welcome your saving word. Amen. It seems to me that Christmas is a time that we do a lot of counting. In the beginning, it's how many days until Christmas? Or how many days until Christmas break? How many boxes of ornaments and decorations are there in the attic? How many miles is it to Grandma's house? And then after Christmas, we continue to count. How much money did we spend? How much do we have left? How many days till school starts? Or how many days till we go back to work? How many pounds did I gain? How many hours will it take me to get back home? Mary, the mother of Jesus, is in our scripture reading today, is doing her own bit of counting. Her magic number is 40. 40 days after the birth of her baby boy, she can return to the temple. Mary and Joseph were Jews, and the Jewish law required a woman to wait 40 days before she could re-enter the temple, re-enter the center of communal life in the Jewish world. Even today, the rituals around daily living in a Jew's life center around the ebb and flow of temple life. Now, according to Jewish law that we can find in Leviticus, a woman after giving birth was to set herself apart from her community for a prescribed period of time where she could not touch or engage in holy things or go to the synagogue on the Sabbath. As with many of the Jewish custom, uh, this all had to do with blood, the life-giving substance of many an ancient culture and religion. Blood for Jews was held with reverence and awe, It was the substance of life, the substance of a sealed covenant. A woman's time apart from her community was called her time of blood purification, and that is the circumstances with which our Bible lesson takes place today. A faithful Jewish family trying to reenter their faith community, following the laws that thousands and thousands of Jewish families would have done the same thing. The other ceremony mentioned is a redemption of the firstborn son, which was also the custom. And when the time came for these rituals, there were specific things to do. For the blood purification, the woman was to bring to the temple a lamb for a burnt offering and a dove or a pigeon for the sin offering. The priest would sacrifice the animals on her behalf and declare the woman clean and ready for full community life. Now, if she did not have enough money to purchase a lamb, which they were very expensive, there was a poverty clause in the law that allowed a poor family to substitute a bird for the lamb. Now, you might be wondering why on this last Sunday before the new year that the story of Jesus' family following some ancient ritual is important. Well, I think it's very important. For two reasons. First, because it says something about Jesus and his earthly family. Jesus was God's son, but his earthly family followed God's law by caring, by caring and doing these ceremonies. Scripture tells us that Jesus was not born above the law. He was born to fulfill the law. He was born so that God could be with his creation in a personal, intimate way. And second, it tells us about what it really means to have God with us, to live a life that is truly reflects the daily walk with a risen Lord, a life that can be full of joy, but also have fear, a life full of challenges, and a life full of victories. Fred Craddock, a preaching professor from Emory University and a longtime pastor said this, it's always easier it's always easier to believe in a Christ who is coming than a Christ who has come. It is always easier to believe in a Christ who is coming than a Christ who has come. And that's where we are today with the reality of the post-Christmas Jesus Reverend Craddock is right, it's easier to live with the pre-Christmas Jesus, isn't it? The one talked about by prophets and angels. Now here we are in the reality of life. Bills to pay, broken relationships to mend, life situations that maybe we put on the back burner during the busy time of Christmas. Yet God is with us. So how do we navigate this life of God with us? Well, I think that is what's so important about this text. Mary and Joseph are not superheroes in some kind of fantasy tale. They are flesh and blood, first century Jews. They're just trying to make do, following the tradition of their ancestors and hoping to not get crossways with the Jewish authority or the Roman soldiers. Even though they've both been visited by angels and shepherds and others proclaiming that their son is the Christ They haven't hidden away from society. They haven't holed up in some cave. And they certainly haven't gone out and tried to use this information for their own personal gain. They're just going about their daily lives as dutifully and responsibly to God and to one another as they can. So for Mary and Joseph, we don't know how they got to the temple that day. It doesn't seem like many people paid a whole lot of attention to them. The temple was always crowded and busy. We do know that they invoked the poverty clause because there's no mention of a lamb in the sacrifice. They were poor and could not afford it. The only lamb is the Lamb of God that Simeon recognizes as this young couple enters the temple. He saw the Lamb of God and a little baby wrapped up close and tight to his mother's body. According to Luke, going to the temple had not been on Simeon's list of things to do that day, the way Mary and Joseph had planned to be there. Simeon was called there by the gentle nudge of the Spirit, and being moved by the Spirit seems to be something that happened to him quite often. In just these two verses, the Spirit activity in Simeon's life is mentioned three times. In Jerusalem at that time, there was a man, Simeon by name, a good man, a man who lived in the prayerful expectancy of help for Israel. And the Holy Spirit was with him. The Holy Spirit had shown him that he would see the Messiah of God before he died. Led by the Spirit, he entered the temple. This devotion and righteous man allowed the Spirit to guide his life, even at the end of his life, to be moved and swayed by the presence of God with us. Simeon's reaction to this intrusion, this deviation from his plan that day, is one of joy and blessing. The first words he shares with Mary and Joseph are so beautiful that the early church made them into a hymn. You can find it in our hymnal. It's 545. It's called, Lord, bid your servant go in peace. On this special day in the temple, it is not the chief priest, not the scribes or the Pharisees, the temple guards or the Jewish authority that recognize this little bundle in its mother's arms, but it is a man in tune with God. A man who allows God through the Holy Spirit to lead him in his daily life. A man who recognizes the importance of the post-Christmas Jesus what were Mary and Joseph to make of this strange man, this obstacle in their way to see the priest? And while they were still reeling from Simeon and his words of praise and also of despair, another person appears to praise their son, Anna the prophetess, who lives in the temple night and day, praising God. Anna is very much like Simeon, blessed with the wisdom of age, a life dwelling with the Holy Spirit, and a lifetime spent in the presence of worship, and worshiping and praising God was a daily part of her life. Her stepping forward added power and conviction to what Mary and Joseph had already heard. She testified again to the emotional and spiritual investment in the Christ child and offered praise to God for his birth and his life. Like Simeon, she reminds us of the surrounding cloud of witnesses to whom we can turn to when our hopes and fears and reminds us to listen to those who will approach us, whether we speak to them or not. You would think by now Mary and Joseph would be used to this sort of thing, strangers appearing, making revelations and proclamations about their son. Yet all the while they were just straining to take care of a new baby, following the customs of their faith, holy and dedicated lives before God. Joseph and Mary, Simeon and Anna are real people, leading real lives and living their lives before God. Emmanuel, God with us, the God who is revealed in a newborn baby, wrapped in cloth, strapped close to his mother's side. He has performed no miracles, not healed the lame or the blind. He hasn't saved the poor or a wretch like me, yet there he is. God with us, revealed and recognized in a sacred space, surrounded by a community of believers who had the wherewithal to allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to them the presence of the Christ child, the light of the world that many others that day just brushed right by, busily hurrying on to or from the temple to get on with their lives, ignoring this poor family with a new baby looking down their noses pitifully at the sight. Why, they couldn't even afford the proper sacrifice, probably many said. They weren't worth their time. There were other, more important people to deal with. So as the new year approaches, who are we going to be? Are we going to be Simeon and Anna standing on the watch for God and God's activity in the world to be revealed to us? Revelation requires us to be actively looking for God, and better yet, to be actively looking for God together in a faith community. A missionary friend of mine told me one time that you should always be on the lookout for God at work and go there. Be part of it. So I ask you this question this morning. Where do you see God at work in our church, in our community? Where is the post-Christmas Jesus at work today, visible and present? Pray about it. Look for it in the new year and go there. God is calling you there. Barbara Brown Taylor wrote about this revelation of God's presence in our midst this way. She said, when all of us put our pieces of the puzzle together, we get a much better picture than we can from turning one single piece around and around. That does not mean we will like what other people show us necessarily. I doubt that Mary liked what Simeon told her at the end of that day any more than he liked telling her. But it was part of the picture, and God wanted them both to see the whole picture. So as the new year approaches and we make our plans and our resolutions of the coming year, let's try and step back a little bit and look at the bigger picture. God's presence with us. We will come back here again and again to this sacred space, week after week, some of us out of obedience to the law, some of us to keep the Sabbath holy, some of us will wander in by the pushing and nudging of the Spirit, and some of us just seem to never leave. God has called us to be together in a community of faith, to seek his revelation in Scripture, in the sacraments, and in our relationships with one another. God is with us, Emmanuel, and there is no better place to be reminded of his presence than in the company of fellow believers coming together to worship God. We don't come to sacrifice as the sacrifice has already been made. We come to watch. We come to listen. We come to seek, to be filled with the presence of the Almighty and then go back out ready for our daily lives to truly reflect what it means to live a life with the post-Christmas Jesus. God is with us, my friends. God is with us.